like that. Jude is just like the early church when they got the letter. <laughs> they would have all sat down and someone would have read it to them and they would have listened and then want to go back over and just read a little bit more about it. Um, but we're coming to the last section this morning and the outline is in, in your bulletin and so forth that we're looking at this morning as we come to the close of, of Jude. You remember that when we looked at the beginning of Jude, we were reminded that the, the author is Jude, and Jude claims, he says, I am a slave, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ, of Jesus the Saviour, Christ the Redeemer. And we heard that he's a brother of James, and that Jude and James are stepbrothers of Jesus. So he introduced himself and his commitment. He speaks of himself concerning his relationship to his Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And when he writes to the, the readers, he says, I'm writing to you, and if you remember, there are three key words, if you were here that Sunday, three key words, he, he, the description of the believers, the believers, the, those who put their faith and trust in Christ, how would you describe? Well, he said, you are the ones who are called, who are loved, and who are kept. Three great words, are they not? Called, loved, and kept. And this is God's action. He is the one who called you, drew you to himself through our Lord Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection on the cross. That's the love and kept in Christ, kept in his hand until the resurrection, until the second coming of Jesus. And then there's a prayer of blessing. May mercy, peace and love be yours in abundance. May the character of God, which is mercy, peace and love, so flow through you that there's nothing else that can really get into your life but mercy, peace and love, God's character in your life. And then the reason for writing. He said the reason for writing is that there are false teachers that have slipped in among you. And remember, Jesus constantly speaks of the devil as being the author of lies and deceit. That's the concept of creeping in, slowly creeping in and slowly taking over without you know that's really happened. And how do you, how do you recognise these false teachers? Well, he's, you recognise them through immorality. In other words, their lives are just simply controlled by their own desires, which we'll see a little bit more later, and through rejecting Jesus as the only Lord and Saviour and set themselves up as the final authority rather than God's word, now Lord Jesus Christ, as the final authority within the church, within the body of Christ. He says, however, God wasn't caught out by all of this. Remember, he foretold that the, there is the author of lies and deceit. He will attempt to come in. He will attempt to draw you away. He, he's told the disciples, be aware there's going to be wolves in sheep's clothing. Learn how to recognise the counterfeit. Learn how to recognise and learn how to stay true to the gospel and true to your commitment to Christ. Uh, God will judge the false teachers. That's his role. He will do that. And he's judged it in the death of his son. It will be judged as Jesus returns and that God will deal with the false teachers. He's the one who will judge and he is the one who will deal with them. But now he comes to the end of this letter and it's in three sections. He says, but dear friends, remember, remember. This is like your mum talking to you, isn't it? Peter, remember <laughs> things you've got to do, remember. And then he says, but you dear friends, these are what, this is what you need to do. So talking about remembering, this is the way we are to live and behave as God's people if we're going to stand firm in Christ at all. And then there's the wonderful blessing at the end, 
and pronunciation of who our Lord Jesus Christ is and the confidence that we have in our faith and trust in him. So he begins in verse 17. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the, first, in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. Remember. You know, all through the Old Testament, New Testament, God is constantly calling his people to remember. In the Old Testament, do you remember often that the prophet, God is reminding his people through the prophet that I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Remember? Remember and remember I am the one who brought you out of Egypt. Go back. You know, when you think, where is God? What's happening? Does God really care? Is God really interested? Stop and remember. You are my people because if I was the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, I worked through them. I fulfilled the promise. And then I brought you out of Egypt and I made you a people for myself. I called you and I loved you and I will keep you. Do you see the, the need often to remember? We forget so soon. Um, I think, hands up those who remember in Sunday school, tell me the old, old story. Remember? Yes, okay. I'm sure it's in your head like it's in mine, where it was one of those ones you sung at least once or twice a month, wasn't it, in Sunday school? Uh, and, and yet, why? tell me the old, old story. Why? Because I forget so soon, isn't it? Very quickly I get wrapped up in myself and very quickly my vision becomes just simply poor little me. You know? And I don't see the bigger picture of where God has placed me and what God is doing in and through me. So tell me the old, old story. We need to remember, constantly need to remember. God's people kept failing to remember and we ourselves do exactly the same. What are we to remember? We're to remember the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold this. They foretold this. It's very clear what was foretold, that there will be those who will come in and will try to draw you away. As I said, Jesus warned. He talked about sheeps in, sheep in, wolves in sheep's clothing. Sorry, And their aim will be to draw you away from me. Remember, that's what Jesus said? Draw you away from me. And so what were these, these false teachers trying to do? They were trying to, they were denying that Jesus is the Lord that he is the Christ, right? The aim was to draw them away from Christ and draw them to religion. That was the aim and purpose. Draw them away from the reality of who and what they have in our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. He remembered, now this is no new teaching here. There's no new teaching. There is only one Lord, there is only one Saviour. And Jesus spoke very clearly. Remember, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And the I am is the name that God gave of himself to Moses. In other words, the, the people who were listening understood that he was claiming deity here, that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. There is no other way to the Father but by me. But the devil's aim and purpose will be trying to draw us away from that commitment to him. There will be those who will scoff. There will be those who will just follow their own desires it, it'll be fashionable to be intellectual concerning the Christian faith and to demonstrate how off-beam it is. And let's get on with the things that we know today. That is fashionable then, 
it's fashionable now. And these people, these false teachers, their aim was to divide you, to divide you. It, it meant that the aim was to, as, as it were, put a boundary around you and get you to belong to them. That was the aim, to belong to them. I, I must admit that, well, I tell, this tells you how old I am, so I shouldn't do that, should I? But this, this it's interesting, I, I still bristle a little when i talking to fellow clergy and they talk about my church. I say, it's not your church, brother. Well, if it was yours, I don't want to become a member of that one. I, 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 I belong to the Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. That, that's who I am. That's what I belong to, right? It is the church of Christ. It is his body that I am there. So you can see that the false teacher, that you wander down that step of where you become the most important person in your life. And as the false teacher, what boosts me is to get as many members that I can get in and divide, in other words, get into my boundary so they're committed to me. That's the aim of the false teacher. And you, I'm sure you've, in your past history you would know that that, where that sort of thing has occurred. Um, and, and say, why is this so stupid? Well, because they're, they're not Christians at all, these false teachers. They're simply following their own natural instincts. And their natural instinct is to build my empire and to build their own empire. That's their natural instinct. Uh, for those, Paul, when writing of the Romans says, for those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. They're, they're absolute opposites. They're extreme opposites. And that they, they do not know the Spirit. And how do you know whether a person has the Holy Spirit? It's by looking at their life and seeing what fruit is in their life. Is it the fruit of a life lived purely from themselves, as Paul says in Galatians, for the flesh? Or is it the life of the Spirit that's living for Christ and for the gospel? Love, joy, peace. Look at the fruit. That's the way you know. And he said, these people clearly do not have that fruit. He says that, that false teachers rise up and try to pull you away and are pulling people away. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. You know, it's sad when, when this happens. You can be saddened, well and truly saddened, uh, but, that, but don't be surprised. Um, there are times as a pastor that um, you get fairly close to people and then something terrible occurs in someone's life. And as you then share with them, you then realise their commitment's not to Jesus at all. That they don't really know grace, they don't know forgiveness, they don't know that they're called and loved and kept. And there's a sense in which I've had to learn, don't be surprised, the devil's constantly working to pull people to himself. But be saddened. And what do you do about it? Well, we're going to read a little bit about it now, what you do about it. We don't just leave it, but we shouldn't be surprised. But then he says, but you, dear friends. Now, this little bit here in verse 20 is getting pretty personal now, okay? Um, he was been talking about the false teachers, understanding false teachers, knowing how to pick them out, knowing how to see the sham and how to deal with the sham. 
But now in verse 20, he now focuses down. And remember, the you is always plural as you come through here. So it's we to whom this is addressed. He says, but you together, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Now, but as for you, as for you, in, in contrast to the false teachers, that's the road they're on. Now, in Christ Jesus, what road are we on? This is now the road that we are on. Do you see the difference that he's putting here? This is the road that you're now on. Now, let's understand the road and let's understand how to keep together on the road. And this is part of what he was talking about much earlier, that we need to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. So he says, for you, dear friends, and the, the word of, of the dear friends is really beloved ones, loved of God is the same word that's used of God loving us. Uh, we all share the same spiritual relationship in Christ. We all spare that, share that same relationship. You remember how in the creeds that we all grew up with, uh, we believed in the one holy, the one holy Catholic apostolic church. And it's interesting, the reason the word Catholic is there, because Catholic's basically the only word that we have in English, because if we talk about the one universal church, it means there's bits of church everywhere. But the word Catholic is a unique word, and that's why they use this word Catholic, that's why the English translation is, in, is Catholic, because Catholic means that there's only one body. Do you there's only one body. All those who believe and love the Lord Jesus Christ are all in the one family and that's what the word Catholic is meaning. And so that's why I've had the privilege, as you know, of going to many odd countries around the world and meeting with God's people there. And immediately as I meet with them and as we talk together, I realise immediately, and many of them people are translating for me, because I don't have any of these languages whatsoever, but as they're translating, I realise they know the same Jesus I know. The Jesus I know is the Jesus they're talking about. It's the same person, right? And immediately, I'm home. Does that make sense? I'm part of this here, because there is one holy, Catholic, apostolic church. So it's a wonderful word. It's a shame that it's difficult for us to use it and so we use universal these days. And it doesn't give the same meaning, I don't think, the same meaning. And can I say that it's been a great joy and privilege to be sharing with you here. I mean, I come and you've just accepted me as, as a member of the family, have you not? And I thank you unto God for that, do you know? And can I say, I came and I, I saw myself as a member of the family, you know, together in Christ Jesus. And that's, that's what he's talking about here, right? But as for you, right, you who know and love the Lord Jesus and are committed to the Lord Jesus, he talks about what you need to do is that you need to build up, build. Now, it, th this is the word that, as you would guess, used of construction, and, and it's a body activity together. There needs to be a building together, and it's in the, what's called the present continuous tense. So you don't build and go away on holiday you don't stop building, right, until the Lord returns or the Lord takes you to be with himself. That's, 
That's the way this works out. So together, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying, by building together. Um, we, we, Paul, when he wrote to the Corinthians, was saying, try to excel in, gift, in gifts, right, in the spiritual gifts that build up the church, that build up the body of Christ. To Thessalonians, therefore, encourage everyone to build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing today. Build each other up. So the focus is not on the false teachers. Our focus is to be on taking care of each other and growing together in our faith and trust in Christ. And we do that through our most holy faith. We contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. How do we grow together? What is growing together? Well, God has made himself known. So the growing is in understanding better God, his person and his character and his work amongst us. It's in a person that we're related to. That's why it's faith, not in a system. We don't follow a religious system in order to somehow get right with God. That's what religions do. Uh, we once did a, um, a series of sermons at DAPDO years ago when I was the rector uh, about abolishing religion and we had a big sign up on the church centre, this is the series, Let's Abolish Religion. Well, we had a few extra people who came along who thought, this is a good idea, let's get rid of a re a religion, what's going on here? And yes, it is, it is. It, we, we don't follow a system, we're related to a person. It's totally different. And therefore, growing in Christ is growing in your faith and trust and knowledge of God. And how do you do that? You do by listening to what God reveals of himself to you. That's the way you do it. Right? The way we get to know each other, unless you spend time talking together, you will never get to know each other. Am I right? That It just doesn't happen, right? And, and unless it's in a family, unless you grow, if you're going to grow together as a family, it's by sitting around the table and talking and sharing with each other. And then you gradually get what's happening and what's going on and what's taking place. And that's how you get to know someone. And as you get to know them, it, it helps you to understand how you can help them. Um, I find with our grandchildren, we're, we're blessed with 10 grandchildren. Now they're spread living over Australia, but we get to see most of them at some time or another. And, and it's interesting, you know, you, you, like our own three children, um, is that you, we go and we visit these three grandkids. Um, they're now all bigger than me and um, later teens, 20s and so forth. Um, but just listening to them, you realise, no, 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 they're, they're particular personalities too. And so if I'm really going to know and care for them, I've really got to listen to each one, rather than me tell them who they are. I need to listen to who they're talking about, how they are, how they look at things, and therefore that should help me how I can help them in their Christian faith. Do you know? It gives me a way in which I, I can pastorally care for them, and it's different the way you pastorally care. Can I tell you, an 18-year-old granddaughter is very different <laughs> to any, any of the grandsons that we have, do you know? And that's lovely. 
it, it's not the same. And that's what God is saying here. That's what, he's, that's what Jude is saying to us here. We need to focus on each other. We need to come, not on each other, we need to come together and focus together in Christ. We need to understand and believe God's word. We need to live according to that word. And that is done together. It's a fellowship activity together. That's what it is. You know, the promise is that when two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. You know, the Bible doesn't know anyone, anywhere, about an individual hermit Christian. You can't find that in the Bible anywhere. Uh, you can find people who call themselves Christians and are hermits shrinking up like a shriveled prune, if you know what I mean. There's no growth, there's no nothing, right? And that's because growth is a fellowship activity and it's coming together around God's word. And because that's the way we read and that's where we understand who God is, that's how he's revealed himself to us. There are no shortcuts uh, to, come to, to come together to worship. That's how we praise God together and we encourage each other as we worship together, to come together around God's word. This is where uh, Bible study groups are so important in a church, that they're really the most important thing as far as spiritual growth in a church is concerned or spiritual life is concerned. Unless there are Bible study groups, unless God's people are getting together, reading the Bible and praying and supporting each other, then you're not growing. You would just be a club that happens to meet Sunday in this particular building. Jesus Christ is the only sovereign and Lord. And the way that's expressed is those who are his together, studying his word, discussing his word and praying and supporting each other in Christ. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith, you are to keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Keep yourself in God's love. What is he saying here? Well, he's saying that the activity together in focusing around God's word, that's the way we're going to grow and be focused in God's love rather than in ourselves that the false teachers are. Let me read John 15. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands, and remain in his love, that together we encourage each other to live the gospel out, to live the truth that we have found from God's word. 1 John, God is love. Whoever lives and love, it, whoever lives in love, lo sorry, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. The false teachers were the ways of leading astray but we need to be able to come together. You know, as men and women, the women have it all over us, guys. To come together is more of a natural thing for women, I think, or it appears to me. Uh, to sit around and share with each other is more of a natural thing as well. Um, I can remember as a young child coming home from school and my mum only had boys, and my mum would ask, 
How was school today? Okay. Uh, what happened at school? Nothing much. Uh, that was the total discussion <laughs> that was had. <laughs> and that's males. Uh, we've got it all sewn up, except our lives are in total chaos. Do you? Total chaos in reality. And we need to learn that, no, we need to be open before the Lord and open before each other. I think one of the things that have helped men over the years is, is what is called as a prayer triplet. And at DAPDO, that's what we try to do. We try to have prayer triplets. And lots of guys say, well, there's no time, it can't fit, right? And I kept looking and saying, well, there's things that you really want to do, you do find time for. So don't tell me there's no such thing as time. I think as a male, I feel free to say that, don't I? I can say that to males. Don't, don't tell me you're so busy and there's no time. You, whatever you want to do, you will find time. Whatever you see as most important, you will find time for that. And the prayer triplet, we had two guys working in a BHP, so I put a couple of seats in the back of the car, drove round a BHP under a tree at lunchtime. They came out, pulled out the seats, we sat round, had lunch together, prayed together. There were ways of doing it. It's just you've got to use, be a little think outside the square in order to do it, in order to have fellowship. As we persevere together, as we persevere together, waiting for the coming of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. He calls us, he just wraps it up and he says, now be merciful to those who doubt. There will be amongst us as brothers in Christ who some stronger, some not as strong. They've got lots of other pressures in their lives. So he says, be merciful to those. As God has been merciful to you, then show that same mercy to each other. Get beside each other. And would seek to get beside and encourage rather than point the finger. Do you you know, you ought to be, you ought to do. No, no, no. Come beside. Why is it that you're struggling, brother? How can I help you in that struggle? Do you, how can I support you in that struggle? What is it that we can do together that we grow in Christ? That's what we're called to do. Save others by snatching them from the fire and to others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing. You know, as they're, they're, within the church there will be those who, who have been grabbed by the false teachers and are being dragged away. And how let's, you need to go and support. And what he's saying here, you need to do it together rather than just a person. Otherwise, you'll be dragged in as well, basically, is what he's saying. You, you'll find yourself caught up in the argument and gone as well. So do that. And mix mercy with fear. Now, you, dear friends, remember, build up, and be merciful. Well, it's a good, clear word, is it not, that he gives us? And as we launch into, as it were, this new year, um, we've got through January, um, the holiday's over, basically, is it not? <laughs> We're ready to go. We're into things. School starts, what, in a week or so's time. Uh, we're, into, we're into everything. So where are you as you now come? Are you aware of, of the devil trying to draw you away from Christ? Are you aware of that? Do you see the signs? Can you read those signs? And do you recognise that, no, the way we stand is together in Christ, where we recognise that we are brothers and sisters in Christ and we stand together in Christ, we support each other in the gospel. Are you, look, look at the year. How, how are you going to support your brothers and sisters in Christ? How are they going to support you? You need to think about this and you need to have this as part of your plan and purpose. You need to get ahead of the evil one. And then he closes with a wonderful doxology. To him... To our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Now when I was working through this passage, I thought it's just great that this is the particular Sunday that we celebrate the Lord's Supper, normally at 10 o'clock. And you can see how the Lord, celebrating the Lord's Supper now just fits with what we've been looking at in this passage. This is, this is what we do as God's people together. We remember, we remember, we encourage each other. And that's what the words of the Lord's Supper are. Now, with me, I think you've realised you're dealing with a, 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 a computer dinosaur. And so, therefore, we had a look at what we had on slides and so forth. And it was easy just to draw out a bunch of the slides that we'll use for the communion service. Okay, 